Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison. How are you doing today, Sonia? I am doing well. It is football time in Tennessee. So far, the Vols are 1-0. and oh, And as Ooh. typical Vol fan, Ooh. I have unreasonable expectations right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of other stuff to talk about in the news today. Yeah, well, we could start by Georgia continues to keep you guys entertained. So apparently, <laughs> Lindsey Graham <laughs> was also potentially on the chopping block, but um, Ms. Willis here, the DA, decided not to um, press charges against him. And so Lindsey Graham got off the hook. But I will yeah. say, and I, don't, I guess we didn't talk about this last week, but I, I will say I I was proud. And this, this is few. Proud Black woman. <laughs> no, not, not even about Black, but, yeah. but I, I want to note it. I was proud that Brian Kemp, the governor, <laughs> actually told his conservatives and, his, and the Republicans, oh, back yeah. off. I am yeah. not going to remove the DA from this case. She has done nothing to warrant such action. And it would likely be overturned anyway as, as unconstitutional. But I'm I'm glad that he took a stand and said, I'm not going to pander to you guys. I'm going to leave that be. Well, you know, the House with Jim Jordan tried to do the same thing, basically trying to intimidate um, trying to intimidate Fonnie Wilson. Wilson, I think is her last name. Willis, but that's fine. Willis, Willis, yeah. And um, saying that they're going to open an investigation into how she's handling the investigation. And she clapped back on them this past week. You're like, wait a minute. Your job as a legislator does not involve, you know, overseeing, you know, ex-criminal investigations or whatever else. Why don't you try doing your job? I was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> I don't. Try passing some legislation in Congress versus trying to be an oversight committee over here with what state folks are going on, which I, I wanted to get your thoughts as the medical profession, because, you know, Mitch McConnell has been in the news for freezing. And mm -hmm. I, I recognize that's not your expertise, but I'd imagine to some degree, you medical doctors are looking like this isn't normal. And as much as they want to, they being the Republican Party, want to get on Joe Biden and his age. When you see Mitch McConnell, what are, what are you thinking? It's it's time. It's past time. <laughs> <laughs> it is past time. And frankly, if if Joe Biden froze like that and, and it, you know, he has his moments. So we can say it's about past time for him as well. Uh, and it probably is, but I don't know if if you start saying, okay, well, what's the risk of replacing somebody? You know, who else is going to assume that position? Who else has a chance or an opportunity? Are we talking about Robert Kennedy Jr.? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't think so. But uh, and and certainly Kamala Harris at this point will not enjoy any of the favorability. Usually, a vice president will have been groomed enough to have. Um, 
been able to assume that role. So, yeah, it's Mitch McConnell. Let me just go back to that. Mitch McConnell, his issue is more so, um, it is a little bit more so concerning uh, about his leadership position in the Senate. At least uh, Nancy Pelosi had the wherewithal to stand down from her leadership, even if she didn't step down from uh, the House as well. But I think that Mitch McConnell needs to let it go. Well, you know, Nancy Pelosi has announced she is running for re-election. I, I know that there is a Black AG in or Attorney General in Kentucky, not someone that I would vote for. So by all means, just because he's Black doesn't mean I'm advocating for him because I'm not. As she was saying, it is a concern that that Mitch McConnell is having these episodes. Supposedly, the 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 uh, Senate doctors have evaluated him, done an extensive workup, MRI of the brain, and did not have a stroke or a TIA transient ischemia ischemic attack. It certainly wasn't lightheadedness, <laughs> and, and I think every every medical professional who saw that knows that that's not what lightheadedness looks like, and that's the story that they're trying to feed to the American people. One other thing that happened in the news before we get to our topic, um, and, and this happened here in Georgia, there is more medical. So this lady delivered her baby, but when the doctor pulled it out, the head got detached from the body and they didn't tell the parents that that's what happened. The morgue ended up telling them and they're suing. And so I was talking to, and I don't know too much information because obviously I'm not a medical professional and, and it is ongoing litigation. So there's limited stuff that's going to come out. But as I was talking to a, a one of my pediatricians back when I was growing up and I still talk to her about medical stuff, she's of the belief that the baby likely died um, inside the mother and that they told the, the mother, hey, we're going to have to pull it out. And, and perhaps the baby was stuck in a canal so they couldn't just have a C-section. So in the midst of pulling it out, that that's what happened. And, and she said that that, I'm sure other professionals will probably say that that's not as surprising as people may think, but obviously the lack of cover-up is, is the issue. But as someone who always telling me, man, I hate your lawyers, what, what when you think about being in that position where you're, you're about to lose your license, your livelihood, and you, you've acted, I guess, to the best that you can in accordance with your, your medical profession, what kind of goes through your mind you know, when something like this happens. I think, um, so that we're talking about two different things. One, we're talking about whether or not there's active negligence and, um, or malfeasance. And, you know, things happen, complications happen during surgeries. And I, uh, knock on wood, you know, for the 20 years or so that I've been doing, for almost 20 years that I've been operating, I haven't had any serious complications, but those things happen. And one of the reasons why we do this informed consent, you know, where we advise people of everything that could possibly go wrong during the surgery or during the procedure uh, so that they can make an informed decision about whether they would want to proceed. Um, those things concern me a little bit, not just because I would think that there would be something that we've done negligently, but now because more of the being tried in the court of public opinion. And, you know, while you might get off of the lawsuit, the medical malpractice lawsuit, because then you've got um, medical experts who will say, you know, yes, the baby was dead in utero and this was inconsequential. 
or they would say, you know, this is just a fluke or a potential complication and there was nothing, you know, negligent done or malfeasant, uh, no evidence of malfeasance on the part of the delivering doctor, then he or she cannot necessarily be held liable for that type of um, injury or adverse outcome. So the question is, is if it was totally detached or not. I'm not familiar with this story, whether it was just totally dis detached or whether it was subluxed from uh, the, 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 the cervical spine were uh, somehow or another dislocated. And so it's hard for me to imagine that the head would just to totally detach because you still have the muscular attachments and the... Uh, right. and but the, the issue is she, she did not, at least for me, when I say cover it up, she didn't tell the parents what happened and to hear it from the morgue that's not going to be good because well, i'd imagine some, know that that's she, what happened if the doctor knew no the doctor knew what happened before the doctor knew that the head was the decapitated from the body the doctor knew and, and, and as much as the doctor knew it was decapitated because she it pulled it out Oh, but that's what I can to your point. I can't say if it was completely or not. I, I, to your point, I don't know the intricacies. So that's why I say let's presume she didn't do anything wrong. And like you said, that's just the consequences of what happened. But to me, of course, the wrong part would be the lack of communicating to the family what's going on. And as you, at least from my standpoint, I often tell clients communication is so important. It could save you from going to court if you are actively and in real time communicating with your client what's going on. Well, that that I mean, they tell us that in medicine all the time. The the key to avoiding a lawsuit, even when an adverse occur uh, occurrence happens, even if you are at fault for it, having a good rapport with your patients is one of the things that can help to insulate you from um, from from the lawsuit. So yeah, the communication is an important part. But as I'm as I was saying before, the doctor may not. It is conceivable that the doctor may not have known if the dislocation or the quote unquote decapitation occurred beneath the surface of the skin, the doctor may not necessarily have known that there was a dislocation of a cervical vertebrae, for example. And because the baby might have been excessively limp when the baby, when the child was delivered, doesn't necessarily mean that there was a cervical dislocation or decapitation. Um, and so the doctor very well may not have known. He may have only discovered it on the postmortem examination, especially if the child was dead in utero. If the child was dead in utero, you expect the child to come out, the infant to come out limp and very flaccid. So, oh, okay, so then you'd be able to sleep all right. <laughs> I, would, I would not be able to sleep all right. Uh, certainly if I have any adverse outcome. I mean, there's some there are some times when, you know, you do certain surgeries and so, so you have to make these judgments and, and it's never anything that's made very lightly. You have to really consider like, what is the impact that this thing is going to have on this patient? Decisions that are, you know, that, that haunt you the whole time. It's like, did I make the right decision? That's what they always, I mean, we always, a person who is self-reflective and who desires to do the best that they can for the patients that they treat will always think about these things. What could I have done differently? And should I have done differently? Why didn't I do differently? And so these are things that we have to ask. And, and sometimes you have to get to the point where you not only uh, 
expect or hope that the patient forgives you, but you have to be willing to forgive yourself, especially if you miss something. You're like, oh man, how did I miss that? You have to be able to forgive yourself as well. Well, then that kind of leads to the topic, um, what you need to do for your, your own self, your own vision, your own purpose to restore your, 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 your path. Um, and so in that, in that vein, I think it's easier to, to speak on it from a family perspective because, you know, that's something that we all can relate to. And that's also a growing trend. A lot of families are get, having to go through divorce or are having to start blending, figuring out how to blend. Um, and, and, and there's statistics out there saying that for, you know, we're getting married later on in life because we're a little bit more, I guess, overthinking probably, but a little bit more analytical about marriage. But nonetheless, the high divorce rate, which I think is between 40 and 50%, is still there. And before, I'd, it's gonna, we're going to have a family law attorney come in next Saturday. And so in preparation for that, if you're listening to this, please send in your questions that you would like to ask or some information that you would like to, to gather. But before you get to that stage of divorce, I'd imagine as you enter the marriage, there was a vision, just like as you enter profession, as you enter, you know, any, any type of new endeavor, there's a vision. And so does divorce get you off that vision for one? Uh, and, and if so, then can you, can you restore the family? But if divorce doesn't get you off that vision, how can you still understanding that there's a brokenness restore? I think, you know, when when you say divorce, I think in more broad terms, not just marital divorce, but I mean, when you when you enter into any relationship, you have a vision of what that relationship should and or would look like. And when the outcome, the actuality or the reality doesn't match what the vision is, you make some determinations. Can I put this back on track to be uh, the to, to reflect the vision that I had for it. Can I too modify the vision that I had for it? Uh, modify or restore the vision? And, and those are questions that I think, regardless of what the relationship is, we have to ask. And I don't know that in either case, those things will be able to, pers- uh, to occur unless there's first forgiveness as a prerequisite for it. Because uh, I, I look at a lot of families, you know, and your attorney who comes in next week, who will probably also deal a lot with probate courts and, and with <laughs> wills and things of that nature, where, you know, somebody in the family dies, uh, usually uh, maternal or paternal figure uh, dies in the family, leaves an inheritance or may not leave an inheritance. But there's always, um, I won't say always, but there seems to be often a rift that occurs within the families where, you know, one person believes this should happen, another person believes another thing should happen, and not just dealing with the stress of grief or the loss, they're now dealing with how how that relationship, how their how their vision of their relationship is being altered, or is it being revised in that in a way that can be hopefully mutually beneficial. And I don't think that that's always a bad issue. I don't think that's always a bad yeah, I think when you're dealing with a widow or you're dealing with a spouse that's died, um, to some degree, that's out, outside of your control. And not not to say that 
divorce is more so in in your control. Oh, but I'm talking you know, about the children, the children's, the relationship of the children. Well, but I say that parents, to say, so. I, you know, if, if that is the context of, okay, well, your spouse passed, I would hope that the passing of your spouse does not alter your vision at all. Because if anything, I would hope that, you know, in trying to get back to um, or, or trying to grieve, you're figuring out, okay, we had a a mutual partnership or mutual agreement of how we want to raise our kids and how we how we want this direction to go to honor my spouse i want to ensure that that direction remains intact whereas when you're talking about a divorce one i mean you still have to work with the co-parent and so back to your point on forgiveness there needs to be i'd imagine there's a more conversation of forgiving you know, the demise, forgiving whatever issues went on, forgiving, the, again, the path that we got off of. Because if the vision was there, then we've got to forgive ourselves for not staying on course with the vision. Whereas when you have a death of a spouse, again, I think that's different. <laughs> it shouldn't alter your vision in the same vein. Well, I don't know. The death of a spouse, if, if, if my vision involved your participation... <laughs> Your death is going to alter the vision. So when you're gonna, but but again, forgiveness. We uh, you don't you can't forgive yourself because your spouse died. I mean, again, that's out of your control. But there are a lot and, of people. And again, and 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 to me, even if perhaps we should talk about vision, but even in that, your vision can't be tied to the other person's cooperation. No. Your because when you go, like we talk about this all the time, when you go before God, He's not going to say, "Well, I'll excuse your divorce because your wife didn't cooperate." And that's not, <laughs> I mean, that, that shouldn't change. I disagree with you know, that. that. I disagree oh, with you that. think God will excuse your divorce? No, because I, your spouse I disagree is. with the former statement you made, the, the statement that your vision doesn't depend on somebody else. You know, the scripture tells us, it said, write the vision and make it plain so that all who see it can run with it. There's no way that you can execute and fulfill a vision in and of yourself. The body, God made us, created us. You have us. to write it. He didn't say go write it with the other people because again, you write your vision you write and you, you can't expect someone else to be aligned with, with your vision. I mean, you even runs with look, it? look at David and Solomon. Dave, God made it clear. You will be king. Solomon wasn't cooperating, but God said, I don't care what Solomon's doing. This is your path. And so I would say the same thing. If you, if you're, if you have a vision for your marriage, yeah, you should find a spouse that is aligned with your vision. If you choose to marry someone that's not aligned, then again, you got to forgive yourself for that step, right? I mean, that though that's the process of trying to get back into restoration. But to say that, oh, well, it's her fault or his fault because they didn't cooperate with my vision. I'm, I'm now going to say more so her because I think we'd agree if the vision is God, then your husband, then the, then the wife then what the husband would say was what the wife didn't cooperate, just like what Adam would say. Well, this woman <laughs> made me eat this fruit, right? But you got to stay on course with your vision. And that's what God was telling Adam. Hey, I, you still are responsible to not eat that fruit. You can't blame that on her. I don't know that I agree with that. And, and the reason why, again, that same scripture, it tells us to, I think it's in Habakkuk, where Habakkuk, where it says, write the vision, 
so that all who see it, what's the purpose of other people seeing it? What does it mean for other people to run with your vision? That means you need to have other people may not run with your vision though. But 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 the the point, the why write it down. I have a vision doesn't mean you are beholden to my vision. I didn't say beholden to it. Okay, so then I still gotta stay on my vision whether you cooperate with me or not. What's the purpose? The purpose of of the vision is so that I stay on course with my purpose. It's like what's the purpose of me being obedient to God? Now, if other people see my obedience, they're seeing God in me, yes. But I'm not responsible for someone else's salvation. I'm not okay. responsible for that. Vision and salvation are totally different. So what's the purpose of someone else running with your vision? Again, if they what choose that to run, that means that they are choosing to follow in my obedience. But now again, they're, they're, I'm not doing that. I'm help. not doing that so that they will choose to follow me. I'm doing that because I'm staying obedient with God. My vision is to be obedient with God. Now, whether you follow me in that, that is on you to decide. But why are you writing it my, down? But if you decide not to follow me on it, I still got to stay in line with my vision to be obedient with God. Why are you writing it down? Again, so I can see it and be obedient with God. And to that's your not, point, other people the, will that's also not what the, see it. That's not what the scripture again, says. Again, I'm not disputing that other people are not going to see it. But again, my purpose, if I write my vision, is about what I am going to do, how I'm going to stay faithful and obedient to God, not how I can force someone else to but follow again, me. You're using these extreme terms. Nobody said force anybody Get to do someone it. someone else. Influence someone else. Compel someone else. I don't care what you were to use. I'm is. not responsible it's, for whether or not you choose to follow me in that. You're not, I didn't say that you're responsible for them either. I'm saying you are responsible for one, writing a vision down. Right. And the reason why you write that vision down is not just the scripture doesn't say so that you can see it and have an understanding of what the vision is. It says so that others can see it. And they can run with you. And the reason why God wants that to happen is because he recognizes that we by ourselves, it's not good that man be alone. That's the reason why he created a woman in the first place. He said, it's not good that we be alone. He also created the body to have many members, each one of them working its part so that the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. We can't do that. And when we get to the point where we say, well, this is my vision, you either on board or not. If you're not on board with that, I have to go on without you. I don't believe that that's the way that God, I don't think that that's the way that God intended for us to do. Because he says, how can two walk together unless they agree? God's desire is for us to be in agreement more than anything. And God, and I've learned, and I've learned that with, um, I've learned in, in relationships that if you have agreement between the two, that all things are then possible whether it's a good plan or not, a bad plan can be made successful simply by the power of agreement. The Bible tells us that if two or three should touch as to agree, a touch and agree as to anything, then it shall happen. Even when, even when they were trying to, people were trying to build the tower of Babel, God said, hey, I got to stop them because the, the power of their agreement was so powerful that they would, nothing would have been able to be withheld from them. Why? Not because they had a great plan, but because they had agreement. And so when we, the problem is, is that uh, we need to find out where does the vision come from? And just because I have a vision for the family doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, that that, that was what God's plan was. And even for that matter, whether it's unshakable un, and uh, 
in unmalleable. It's it's not like it can't be mollified. It's even in that, if you had a vision that wasn't aligned with God, then again, that's your problem off top. And that's what I'm saying is if you're talking about part of restoration is first getting to the forgiveness, you have to get to understand or, or forgive your part and being out of alignment with the vision that God had for your family. And that you can't blame that on, oh, well, I had a vision and so it so didn't cooperate. That didn't matter. You weren't aligned with the vision that God had for your family. And even and to me, in that, if you are aligned, there is, and I think you spoke to this a little bit, there is has to be a little level of faith and trust that, hey, God is going to work this out, even though right now it does not feel right. And how do you confirm that this was God's vision for your family as opposed to his or her vision? What did you say? How do you confirm that this was God's vision for your family instead of his or her vision? To me, me, that goes through your relationship. It goes through your study. It goes through your meditation. I mean, I can only speak on how I make sure that something is aligned with God. And for me, if it follows how I've seen God move in scripture, I am more confident that this is aligned with God versus if I haven't seen a similar plan or or outcome in scripture. So, and there so was, that's... I think it was the prop, I think it was Hosea, uh, the prophet who uh, God told him to go marry a harlot. Mm-hmm. That would seem by anybody's imagination to be outside of what God's vision is. And anyone who would look at that would then say, you know, that wasn't God, that ain't God. I've had pastors. Why would that seem out of sight? I mean, to me, again, you don't know God. God, to me, that wouldn't sound out of out of alignment. If you okay. again well, have studied your scriptures, then you see once you see Solomon with a whole bunch of wives and, and concubines. You see David with a whole bunch of wives and concubines. But you never see a husband. You never see a husband see with, a, with, with a woman who's a harlot. But again, you see in scripture repeatedly God using people that would surprise us to fulfill his path. And so to me, that isn't the measure of, well, this person can't be someone that God would want me to marry just by virtue of the fact that they have a past. No, no, that, okay, so, that so they you, may or may you not said before you judge. You said before that you would judge whether the vision comes from God. No, if, I if said before. In alignment with, yes. with what his scripture has and what you've seen him do before. Yes. God had never done that before where he told a, a prophet. God has repeatedly used people that we would not expect to do his will. So was, that to me, would that would erase that argument in and it of itself. Was, like we're all capable to, of being used by God. We know that. Yeah, we know that. But it was using And we know that because standard, of scripture. <laughs> your standard, that prophecy would have been out of a, a alignment with what God said. Using also, the, we look at uh, Hosea. Hosea, uh, uh, I mean, let's even take Mary. Even, even that was out of alligment with what you knew God to do in the past. When he, she, she what said, you gonna, thought you knew. That's what I'm saying. Say what you thought you knew, because again, from the Old Testament down exactly. to Revelation, there's exactly. been repeatedly examples of God using people that we would have never would have thought was quote unquote holy and yet he used them to fulfill his will and so to say that oh well you would have never thought he would have picked this harlot no 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 i'm not surprised at all because of when you study scripture you see that happen repeatedly over and over again okay so then that goes to refute your point because at some point god can and will do some things 
that don't comport with your understanding of what God can and how does that do. refute my point that you just still have a vision and make sure that the person yeah, who you the, the point to was was how, the question is aligned asked, with your vision. So I don't know how that this refutes the point, but the if that's where you that want to <laughs> how do you how are you assured that the vision that you have came from God and it wasn't just your will. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitfully wicked above and all And I said how I would do it. so is to make sure that it is aligned with my relationship and with my study and with my meditation. And so in exactly. that point, that's why I'm saying my study and education makes it, makes it clear. It's not about your past. It's about where you are and if you're going to walk in obedience with God at the point that you I've met with this person. So to to your example, yes, yeah, she may have been considered a scarlet, but if at the point he is saying go marry her, she is aligned with the same vision that he has, then that to me is what you look out for. You look out for the whore. She was still a whore. But and, she was sleeping point, with someone as he knocked on her door and said, hey, I'm going to go marry you. No, the Bible didn't say that. The they point, they characterize the her and, and the Bible characterized many women. You could have sex with one other person and they're going to call you a whore. So point, we, like, we're not going to go into like these descriptions of how people are, their sins have been used to define them. Like we're the not going to go is, into all that. The stuff. point is, is that at some point, God can and will do some things that does not comport with your understanding of what God will and can do. And, and so it doesn't mean that the only reason we know that a vision is from God is by faith. The only way that we can actually really know that it's from God is by faith because our hearts can easily deceive us. And so when we hold on to something, but so don't ignore really, now again, cause I don't want you, I don't want the message in, Hey, if you like that person, then give it to faith that it'll work. No, you still need to have conversations. You still need no, to know but, but if, the, they are, if they do again, have the similar mindset. Again, you're talking about something I'm not talking vision, about. Then, I said the only reason important. you know that the vision is from God is by faith because you're, you're, everything this was all predicated on the fact that you said we but, deviated but I'm saying faith from the vision faith that in your God relationship, faith us. in all that. Like I'm not disputing. I just want to. I just okay. want to be specific about faith because a lot of people will say, "Well, then I will just. I'm so going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're going down a rabbit hole. God will work it out. So the point was <laughs> before you said for forgiveness, you need to forgive yourself for deviating from the vision that God had for you. And my question to you at that point was, how do you know that vision was from God? The only way that you can know that vision was from God was by faith. And by faith, you believe that this vision was from God, but it well, may well, not right. have been from God. On that because I'm saying faith in your study, faith in your relationship, because I'm not saying you're just going to have a blind faith. I'm saying you still need to have an informed faith. And so, and that's where, like, maybe that's where our disconnect it is. It can be That's informed. where our disconnect is. <laughs> it, can, it can still be informed, but guess what? It could have been God's never been God. There, you know how many people have gone down a pathway believing that this was the plan that God had had for them, only to find out later, nope, that was my heart deceiving me. This wasn't the God's plan for me at all in their lives. If that were the case, then there would be nobody who went into one particular field and then later on decided to, to go back into the ministry full time. And you hear countless people, well, I was making six figure incomes. I was doing this. I was doing this. And, you know, I believe that God called me to do this field. Now, all of a sudden, God's calling me to be a minister. Well, God didn't change his mind. Your understanding of what God's vision for you at that time was limited. And then as a result, are you still there? You froze. <laughs> 
Well, look at God now. He wants me to be able to get this whole point out. Unfortunately, she won't be able to hear that. Um, but the point is, is that there are a lot of times that we do things that we believe that are the vision of God for our lives. And, and then later find out that that was really not God's plan for you. Uh, maybe that was not what God wanted you to have, but it was something that we wanted ourselves. And because our hearts can be so deceitfully wicked, a lot of times I tell people this all the time. I said, the problem is, is that a lot of times my voice sounds like God's voice. At least to me, it does. Because I start thinking that God is saying something. In reality, all it is, is just me really wanting to effect whatever plan that I want to have for uh, for my life. And I'm choosing this and just blaming it on God. And that's not always the case uh, where, where, where we start looking or as it relates to, to our vision. But in any case, what I'm saying is that sometimes our vision and the commitment to a vision is, you know, when we when we make a vision, when we write a vision, we expect, hopefully, that it is inspired by God. But we always have to leave room for the possibility that God, this may not be God's current plan. It may not be his ultimate plan for us. It might just be a step along the way. And if it is just a step along the way, we have to be willing to modify that plan because we never know the end from the beginning. God only shows us a portion of where we're supposed to go at a time on an as-need-to-know basis. Even when he sent his disciples, he said, don't give any consideration for how you will eat. And don't give any in, in consideration for, for what you will say when you come before these people. He said, but I will lead you and I'll provide for you. And so that's, I mean, you can have the best laid plans. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan and make preparations for it because the scripture also does tell us, you know, how important it is to actually make appropriate plans and preparation. No man builds a house without first counting the cost. And, and um, that's where we should be. But we should never be so, so ardently tied to that vision that it disrupts our relationship. And it certainly shouldn't be to the point where I think the vision and lack of commitment to the vision should be the cause for a divorce. I don't think that that's God at all. Uh, because if you're, if you're getting divorced because your spouse is not lining up with the vision that God had for your marriage, then um, I'm wondering whether or not the vision that you have is really God's vision or if you even even you if you even consulted God when you decided to marry that person, because everything that God has, God who knows the end from the beginning knows whether or not that person is going to comply with the vision. <clears throat> I'll use as an example when it was coming time for us to move to Nashville. Um, I was finishing up my residency and. Uh, I really believe that God said, hey, I want you all to move to Nashville, that Nashville was a place for us to be able to go and establish our place, establish a practice. And Doris was not on board with that initially. And my prayer to God was like, listen, God, you said what, what you have put joined together, let no man put asunder. And there was no way that I was going to go to Nashville and Doris not go with me. But by the same token, I wasn't going to take her down to Nashville kicking and screaming um, and dragging, begrudging, begrudging uh, the move, saying, you dragged me down here and I didn't even want to go. So I said, okay, God, if this is your vision, then I need you to make provision. And as a result, I need you to change Teresa's heart. I need her to see the vision. I need her to come on board with it as well. And over the course of about a year, year and a half, 
eventually she started becoming as excited about moving to Nashville as I was, because I was not going to compromise our relationship, compromise the marriage that God put together uh, for pursuit of what I believed God's vision was for me. So if God actually truly may gave you the vision, there will always be provision for it. And that provision, <clears throat> that provision is not one that comes with, with a whole bunch of baggage and a whole bunch of uh, destroyed relationships. Um, because the, the Bible tells us, uh, the Bible tells us that the blessing of God makes rich. It, the blessing of God makes rich and it adds no sorrow to it. So if God called, if God truly called this to be your vision, then he's not going to add sorrow to that vision for you. He's going to say, hey, I wanted you to do this. This is a plan that I have for you. I'm making the provision for the vision that I gave you to be fulfilled. And let me apologize. My power has been going out here. So and it's still out. I'm on my um, data right That's now. Right. So it, unfortunately, it I missed was, a lot of it. Listen, it was, to my, been speaking. <laughs> it was just <laughs> God giving me an opportunity to, to make a point <laughs> because he knew that otherwise you'd be interrupting. And so, okay. but the point, the point, <laughs> the point that I was making, the point was that I was making was that I don't believe that God would give us a vision that causes us to be separate from our spouse, uh, because the scripture tells us well, whom God has joined together, let no man put us under. And so if if you're able to break up because um, because the vision you, you have not committed to, one spouse has not committed to the vision. And as a result, you go through, you go through divorce because of that, then either one of two things, you, you married the wrong person or you're not following the vision that God gave for you. Because wherever there is a vision, God makes provision for it, and He adds blessings without sorrow. And so I don't, I don't know how you can say that this was a vision that God gave me, and we're struggling, and we're, we're, we're. That's just not the way that I believe God operates. But, but you may struggle in your vision. I mean, God makes it clear that as Christians, we're going to be persecuted. It is not easy to be a Christian. It's, it's gonna. It takes a lot of faith, a lot of discipline, and, and again, a, it's not easy. So I'm not going to make it seem as if oh, marriage is so simple. I, I, I mean, I'm not married. I, I've heard it's, it's not <laughs> it's not so easy. Yeah, but but if you but if you get divorced because somebody because somebody no longer committed to the vision, it was so right, long, right long, again, long. and that happened. And so, but but again, like so, then I'm saying, so you get divorced now, especially if there's a kid involved. On the vision, how do you restore your family? Because now there is an acknowledgement, and, and maybe that's also part of the conversation is whether or not your family is broken by virtue of the divorce. Um, but if if your family is broken, how do we get back to restoration? How do we restore that? And to me, this is applicable whether it's um, our communities, whether it's church, and whether it's self. Like, how do you restore what you feel is broken? And even if that is because your partner no longer was walking in the same vision that God had. Mm -hmm. So in the final 10 minutes of the show, <laughs> we'll get to talking about the topic, which is the power of forgiveness. And I don't think that you can have restoration, first of all, without forgiveness, but I do think you can have forgiveness without restoration. And by that, I mean, sometimes, sometimes an offense occurs 
you can forgive that person for that offense, but that relationship never goes back to where it was before. Uh, that relationship necessarily has to end at that moment, or maybe not necessarily, but you choose together that it's best if our relationship ends. Uh, but there's no way that I think you can carry on and be fully restored without an act of, when there has been a breach, there's no way you can repair a breach without forgiveness. And well, I would say that part of forgiveness is restoration. I mean, to me, when you look at forgiveness, there is one acknowledgement of the wrong, but then there's that, and I will not do this again. And to me, that's the restoration part, because you have to then figure out how do I move so that I don't put myself in a position to commit the same sin again. And, and your mindset, your mentality, your boundaries, your, your movement. I mean, to me, even if you're trying, even if you are actively restoring, that requires action. And so to me, whether it's, you can call it forgiveness, which I would call, I think forgiveness is an important step, but I think part of forgiveness is then restoration. You have to move differently. You can't restoration move. is not move, that's reformation. Ref restoration is to restore to its original position and or state and even in that you're restoring your relationship with god by virtue of forgiveness you have to restore your family by virtue of forgiveness you but to me if you are acknowledging that hey i have done something that is causing a brokenness elsewhere you can't just say well i'll forgive myself and keep it moving no that forgiveness is also forgiving the other person also moving differently so you don't repeat that same behavior that to me is also part of the restoration process it, it is part of the restoration it, process. I agree with you. I agree with you that you can't be restored without forgiveness. And, and if we're talking about family, you have to, if you had, if your vision was aligned with God and it was because of you or because of someone else or whatever you want to call it, it's because of that, that that vision got out of whack. Again, especially if you have kids involved, you have to restore yourself back to that vision. You have to figure out how the family gets back. Particularly as a male, as the head of the household, is it not important for you to figure out how do I get my family back in restoration with the vision that God had for us? Absolutely. Is that not an important question? Absolutely, it's an important question. It's an important question to, to, to seek, I think, in order to be pleasing uh, to God is to find a way to restore your family back to wholesome, back to unity, um, if it ever really had unity in it. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's important to do that. And, and I think we should all make efforts uh, to the extent of our ability to restore. I, I believe that the, the, the ultimate goal of forgiveness is restoration. But I don't think that that um, restoration is a prerequisite and and a mandate of forgiveness it's just not i don't i just don't think that every relationship so that's forgiven has mind, to be restored if you're fine if the family's broken as long as you've forgiven yourself for it you're I'm not saying forgiving myself. i said forgiving other people forgive i can forgive you i can forgive you i can forgive myself without being in relationship with you, without continuing uh, the relationship that we had previously. That's what I said. Let's presume kids are involved. You have to continue the relationship. You can't be like, oh, you're the mother of my kid, but I'm full with you. 
but the relationship but the relationship is not restored meaning that it's not brought back to where it was before we do have to mend some relationships our relationships have to be reformed at that moment and that, again we're presuming your vision was aligned with god and you have to restore that relationship back to the vision when there are kids involved you have otherwise how are you going to co-parent in a manner that benefits the kids in their relationship with god I don't have a Holy Ghost belly club that I can hit you across the head with and make you <laughs> it's going to start a relationship. You don't try because you are the head of the household. That doesn't mean you yes. don't try. You can try. You can try, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful. And but you, you, can... don't, you don't stop trying just because you're not getting the immediate outcome in real time. You still try. Like you, to me, you don't stop trying. I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I agree with that. <laughs> at some point, at so some point. Your kids are the one that, that takes the, the fatality. And as you, as the leader, the head of the household, it, your leadership, right? There are plenty of children who are the product of divorce relationships that are well adapted and well adjusted. Why? Because the parents have learned to get along. The relationship has not been restored to its former state or former condition. They're still divorced. I've even no, known. No, I've I'm even saying, known. I'm saying the relationship to the vision, not the relationship with each other. Because again, I'm saying, and maybe I'm not saying this um, as effectively as I need to. I'm saying getting no, you're not. your getting your co-parent restored to the vision of family, not back to you as, as considering your spouse but getting the family vision back into restoration. What is the family? I guess it depends on what the family vision is. Most well, of I mean, us have a- that the family vision is aligned with God. That's, that's what I'm saying. Let's most presume us, that you started it all. Most of us presume a family vision is a husband, a wife, and the children. But that's not what the family vision is for many people today. The many people, and, and this is what got BLM in a lot of trouble, is because they they believe that that nuclear family is not the only vision of an appropriate family. They think of they think of more community. Not, again, we can be on a rabbit hole all day long. We talk about man's vision of family. Yes, man's vision of family is comes in many different. Even Jesus's vision of family. Even Jesus's vision of family. Jesus said, who is my brother and my sister? Who's my mother? He said, those that do the will of God. His, his vision of family was not the nuclear family. It was, it was extended to be those who do the will of God. These are now my family. And he turned to his disciples and said, behold your mother. Restoring your family back to, but that's my point, the will of God. So that's what I'm saying, restoring your family back to doing what is the will of God. How do we get that to happen? But what makes you think that just because again, you're your divorced? Kids lose out. Your kids lose out if you do not get that the family restored back to the will of God. However, and again, if that just means everyone is walking in accordance with his will, fine. That is, I'm not saying you need to go remarry, but I'm saying getting the family back to the will of God. What makes you think they're out of the will of God just because we got divorced? Is divorce? You think one, you think maybe, one act? Another question, divorce the will of God? No, but do you think that, do you think, but is lying, is lying the will of God? We're out, we, we, we have made a decision that's outside of God's will. And so how do we again restore it to get us back into God's will? We do that, we do that every day. 
every day you and I sin, every day you and I do something that's outside the will of God. But just because we've done that act doesn't mean that we're perpetually outside of the will of God until we, you know. Until we pour ourselves back there. That's what I'm just saying. So let's talk about. Exactly. So if I get divorced, if I get divorced. point, we all are sinning, but now how we restore it is going to be different based on the sin. Right. So, so the point is, is that after, if I get divorced, the way that I get back into the will of God is I ask for forgiveness from God. That's, that's step one. And I'm back into the will of God. And I, if, <laughs> if, I, if I've wronged other people, if I've wronged other people in the process, and then I ask for their forgiveness as well. We're talking about family restoration. We're not just talking about you. So you're, you're back into God's will. So I'd imagine it is God's will that you also restore your family back to his will. What makes you think that my family was out of his will? My children may not necessarily be, have been out of his will because their mother and father got divorced. You can make sure. Because again, how I think there's acknowledgement that your kids are going to follow and look at what you're doing and, and more likely not follow the path that you're following, that you're taking. And so I'd imagine there needs to be, and we talked about this earlier, communication as to, so that there's an understanding that, hey, we have made a decision that is outside of God's will. God does not will for us to get divorced, but that's the decision we've made. And so again, that affects everyone. I think I think there should be some understanding that a, a divorce doesn't just affect you as a spouse. If you have kids, it's going to affect them too. Absolutely, and so, but and it so doesn't the, mean that. But it doesn't mean that it's going to pull my children outside. It the doesn't world. mean that it, it doesn't mean it won't either. So to yeah, me, you, still, you as the leader still has to make sure. Hey. Let's make sure we're we are still within the will of God, Absolutely. not still that we yeah, are. Because again, there, we're not. Then we need to make sure but, that we get back restored but, to that will. But that has nothing to do with restoration of the relationship, the marital relationship. It does. Does. If you, as the leader, is outside of His will by virtue of divorce, you're the leader. If you're out, then the whole family is broken because the leader's out. But I don't have to be restored to my marriage to get back into the will of God. I'm not saying you go remarry, but I'm saying again, we said if the family vision is for you to be in the will of God, you and your family be in the will of God, okay, we've acknowledged that divorce is not the will of God. So your family right now is outside of his will. We've got to- I'm outside of his will. I'm outside of his will because I decided to leave. You as the leader, though, if you're outside, then the rest- there like, is, it's just like the Republican Party following Donald Trump. Donald Trump is if you if you're following the leader, the leader is 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 not where it's at. So again, if your leader is outside the will of God. If I get divorced, I'm no longer the leader of that household. And is that not outside the rule of God too? This, uh, so I, because I'm divorced, I'm perpetually outside the will of God then. No, again, that's family. What that's what you believe in. I'm agreeing with you that family doesn't necessarily have to be husband, wife, and kids. But now I still say, and this is my interpretation of scripture, I still say it is God's will that that the man is still the head of his family. Now, whether that is a family that has co-parents, whether that is a family that has adopted kids, whether that is a family that has kids in foster care, it's still a family where I feel like, again, based on my interpretation of scripture, where the man is the head of it. And so if the if the head is outside of the will of God, then again, the head's got to fix itself, but also the head has to recognize that, okay, 
because I'm outside of the will, my family's outside of the will, because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And so I'm not leading them to also do what it is that God is requiring of them. So I'm clearly not understanding what you're saying today. (laughs) (laughs) It it sounds like you're saying something that you're not trying to say, or you're trying not to say something that you want to say. But I guess what you're saying is that, why don't you tell me what, what you're trying to say? about restoration what are you what are you saying the importance of restoration is and what is restoration well first of all i guess you're talking about the importance of restoration i mean hopefully we both agree that restoration is and and, and restoration can come in the form of restoring yourself and once you feel like and i feel like once you recognize that you are walking outside of, of obedience with god whether that's restoration in community because we, you know particularly us in the black community we constantly talk about issues that are going on in the black community that need restoration um including in families whether you're talking about even in your job if you feel like okay i was moving wrong in my job because it was outside of god's will then you need restoration in how you move in your job i don't i don't care what the the banner or situation is if you feel like you're outside of God's will and your relationships with someone no matter what the manner of relationship then it has to be restored but wait, now wait, we're wait, talking wait, 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 you keep saying this give me one second let me find out what you're understanding in order for me to understand what you're saying hold I on. need to know how you define restoration hold on hold on, hold on. <laughs> so that but since we are talking specifically about family because we said this before um how you restore is going to look different based on the circumstance. If we're specifically talking about family, if we agree that God's vision of family is to have the man being the head of the household, uh, following God's instruction, having the female submitting to the head's vision in terms of a vision that is aligned with God, and subsequently the family being under the man's leadership, then if that structure is no longer there, and again, I'm not saying it has to be a husband and wife, I'm just saying that structure is no longer there, then that structure needs to be restored. Just like if a community is falling apart because okay. of leadership, that you keep community saying all this stuff, and I still don't understand what you're saying. Here's the reason why <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying is because I don't know how you're using the word restoration. Restoration to me means to return to its former state or condition. Restored back to God's will. That's why I said I'm starting off with if it is God's will that the man is the head of the household and that the woman follows the leadership of the man, presuming that such leadership is based on the vision that God has given to the man. What's your definition of restoration is what I'm trying to find out. Again, that's what I'm saying. If that is the structure, then there is a recognition that if we are divorced and we are now in the separate households, that we are out of the structure. So we have to restore our family back to the structure that God has envisioned for family. You're giving me an example. I'm asking for a definition. Well, how are you defining restoration? What do you consider to restore your family back to God's will? You That's can't what define a word by using the word itself. Please Return, define the word I, restore. Return the family back to God's will. That's that makes it better for you. Okay, so then if then then how do you return a family that's divorced back to God's will when you still remain divorced? Because again, because I'm agreeing with you on this point, I'm not saying it has to be husband and wife, but I'm saying it has to be the man is here, the woman is here. So even in that, okay, we are. So she still needs to submit to me then, even though we're not married. 
I do think that a cope, again, back to what God's vision is, I do think the mother stood still submit to the um, father's will. That's not now, what scripture <laughs> says to do. Hold on, let me finish. The, the, he said wives submit to again, your husbands. Again, assuming that the uh, father's assuming that the father's um will is the vision that God has for his for the family. I think you're making a really weak argument today. And it's because <laughs> okay. I don't I don't I don't you're understand that because you because I mean I, I I guess what I'm saying is either you have a family vision or you don't. And if that vision is no longer there, then, and if you feel like that vision was aligned with God, then you've got to get your family back under God's vision. There's a thing, there's a thing called reformation. There's a thing called restoration. And restoration is to bring something back to its original state. And when certain things can't be brought back to their original states, then you reform it. And, but as so, long as you and I think what you're describing is, I think no, no, what no, you're no, describing it's not, is reformation, it's not, not it's restoration. Not, it's, not a, it's not a reformation because again, if your vision was aligned with God, then you've got to get your family back under God's vision. You can't, you can't I reform that by, by reforming. Like I said, I don't have a Holy Ghost Billy Club that I can hit across the head with. There's no, you can't, you, that's to me, back to the faith. You have to have trust that, hey, if I do what God is asking me to do, he will restore that. You have so to what, have faith in it because so it's not it the point. Because to your point, you're stuck on the outcome. We can't walk based on the outcome. We have to walk based on our faith. So if God gives me a vision to go to a town and preach his gospel and convert that town, and I go to that town and that town doesn't want to hear a word that I'm saying. What does Jesus tell us to do? First of all, God does not give us a vision to convert. God makes it clear. Hey, conversion requires God to preach, to preach, to preach and to, to compel to, to draw yeah, to Christ. If you have a vision to preach, then you go preach. Whether they listen or not is, out, is outside of your control, but you still have to go preach. The commandment that he gave us was to go and make disciples of all men, of all nations. And so if I go to those nations and, and they don't become disciples, what does he tell us to do? He tells us to shake the dust yeah. from our feet. So what, we, what, he's, what he's told us to do, what he told us to do is to do what, what he's instructed us to do Exactly. And it, if if the other person chooses not to accept it, then I shake the dust from my feet and I move on. Now, if if there had been some uh, offense in my marriage, where to the point where my wife wants to get divorced from me, then my responsibility as a Christian is to go to her, ask her forgiveness, and pray and hope that there can be some reconciliation. And with reconciliation, hopefully that our uh, and which is the other word that you could probably use in this situation. Uh, hopefully with reconciliation, there can be some restoration of that relationship, but we can still be reconciled without being restored. We can be forgiven without being restored. We can reform after we've done reconciliation or forgiveness. But the point is, is that you don't always have to be restored to its original position just because you've forgiven somebody. And then that's where we disagree because again, I'm defining restored to be restored back to walking in obedience with God, restored back to the vision that God has given you that you have written down 
made plain and that other people have seen. And, and so from that wrong. to me, that is where again forgiveness and you could have gotten wrong, that, right? You have to restore yourself back alignment with God's vision, God's obedience, walking in faith, all that. And what if you got the vision wrong? Then that wasn't God's vision. That's what I'm saying. You still gotta it, then it wasn't God's vision. And okay. so then to your point, you don't want to restore yourself back to something that wasn't okay. God's vision. Okay, so there we go. So then, so then all I have to do is, uh, then all I have to do at that moment is say, oh, well, I guess it wasn't God's vision. I messed that one up. I missed that one. That was just my vision. And I've been very clear. You're the one that says, oh, I have faith that, you know, this is God's vision. I'm saying my faith is it dependent on what I've studied in scripture, my meditation, and my relationship. And those three things is how I check to ensure that what this vision is, is aligned with what God is asking me to do. And I recognize also that even though I do all of that, that my heart can be deceitfully wicked. And, the, oh, yes. only way, and the only way that I can really know it is if I completely avail myself to God to expose that part of my heart to him. Show me if this is just totally my will. And if it is, then then, then reveal it to me. And so... Anyway, we're way over time, but <laughs> it's, uh, well, like like we said, uh, we are going to have a family law attorney come in next Saturday. So if you have any questions or have any areas that you would like us to ask or explore, do let us know. In the meantime, you know, we are here every Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Also, you can catch us um, on your favorite podcast platforms. Come go watch some of the old episodes and, and see how right I am over Mark repeatedly. <laughs> episode after episode. Um, you can also check us out on YouTube. You should YouTube. won't see that today. <laughs> whatever like i said we'll, we'll let, let the comments speak but also check us out on um youtube so until next saturday thank you guys so much for tuning in this has been another episode of the roundtable consult listen to this or other episodes at your convenience on your favorite podcast directory or listening app or catch us live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern at facebook.com forward slash roundtable console. Tune in live and join the conversation.